Hello, this is Rich Wexler from Vintage Annals Archive, and I'm having a fuck it moment, so let's begin. I have never quite fit in. I started doing this page, the Vintage Annals Archive Instagram, about 12 years ago. Been doing it ever since. Um, I, I generally promote and post uh, obscurity. Um, we embed 30% LGBTQIA+, and BIPOC, and any any content of other folks that have been left out. Um, one of our sponsors is Risk. Kevin Allison is our main coach, and he did encourage me today uh, to speak out about who I am, to share it, and I'm and, and I think it's, it was a great it was a great uh, great thing. I bring it up to also as he's a sponsor, to highly, highly, highly recommend his coaching, his storytelling coaching, his his life coaching, his podcasts. I mean, hire, you know, hire Kevin. Um, anyway, getting back, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a little neurodiverse. I see patterns in things that other people might not. I feel like I have a certain sixth sense about things. I can hear, I can listen to a song, and I can break down what's in there, and it could be like five other pieces of other songs, and I can see all of it. Um, I can see the deep, I can see what's behind things. I can see the words that aren't, that, that aren't being said loud, but are, but I see, hear them loudly. And through my time, to keep it very simple, I started, I'm a photographer, and I, I for years and years I've done uh, portrait sessions, part of a portrait session is to sit down with someone for like three hours, and I would ask people questions. And through that, I just got really, I, I'm very curious about people. And that's, and after doing that for about 15 years, I wanted to kind of bring that skill set into the vintage annals archive world and start interviewing uh, people that, that I'm, you know, that I'm obsessed with or that I think are interesting or that, you know, um, that, that are just people that I love, really. Um, people that are, um, that are heroes of mine. And this episode is about a special hero of mine, Meryl Meisler, old school photographer. We're going to have a page on the website all about Meryl, so I'm not going to say much about her work except to say why she's here. Meryl is here because she's, again, one of the most generous people I've ever met. She's kind. Her work is real and honest and authentic. And she, Meryl is older than me. Let's just keep it there. And I never imagined being older and being able to still be in the world as an artist. And that is Meryl. And Meryl has encouraged me and supported me every step of the way. Um, I begged Meryl to be my teacher, but Meryl was a teacher her whole life and didn't want to teach. But she has taken care of me. Like a lot of people she takes care of and always happy to bring people together to offer help and her work her, and who she is speaks for itself. So I present this as I would a recording of a loved family member to share with the audience. So please, please enjoy. Uh, we have a bunch of content on our website. I can't go into that all right now, but check out our website, www.vintageanalsarchive.com. We have a YouTube of the same name. Our Instagram is the same name. Please check it out. We have a bunch of content on our page. Uh, we have these deep dives about it's educational. I'm a, I've been a teacher for a bunch of years, 10 or 20 years. 
And so it's um, all this content of the kind of stuff we promote on the page. So please enjoy. Uh, it, I want you to meet Meryl. She's amazing. Please check out her work. Uh, you'll and, and just please, you know, I'm, I'm Jewish. And part of the conversation with Meryl is like talking to a, a family, an, an older family member. And please, I want you to enjoy the conversation between us. Thank you. I was so impressed at how welcoming you were to me, to, to strangers. Like that's, and I think that's the, like, when I look at good photography, it, you can tell that there's, that the, that the, that the person who took the photo has reverence and care and love for the subject. Oh, and, thank you. And I see that so much in your work. But also, I love that I, you. I love that you're kind of a badass. I love that you're funny. I love that your book has the word penis on it, right? And I like that you're just like you know. I don't care. I think you're. You know. I. You know. You're. I would say. I don't. I looked this up before. There's a female version of mensch. I don't know what it is, but you're you're a mensch. Oh, thank you. In thank my you. book. So, tell me about Meryl. Miss <laughs> Meisler is a bitch. Tell me you've. I want to hear the story of that. Sure. Okay. Oh, look, Miss um, Miser is a bitch. <laughs> it was okay. It's it's December nineteen ninety. I I'm I actually was won a big teacher award, the Samuel's Award for Excellence in Teaching. Nice. Newsday which is the Long Island newspaper, the one I grew up with, was coming and sending a reporter and a photographer to my classroom to photograph. And I get there a little early, open the door, and there it is on the floor. A love note. Mrs. Meisler is a bitch. And it's and it's and it's um <laughs> and it's they use the paint. There was like I remember I got donations of paint from a local paint store and it's the same the tables are the same color as the writing you can see there. Yeah, I can see the and right, the right like, end of that pit yeah, photo. Yes, and um, and they had wrecked the, and whoever was, then just leave the love note, they kind of wrecked some of the projects and things oh. like that in the room, which are pretty cool projects. My homeroom came, students came in and helped me clean up very quickly. And I didn't see this picture. And so I was looking through my slides for the, the most recent book and i said look at that you know that's great so, <laughs> i mean I can, um, laugh. I can laugh about it but, and I, so, I guess i laughed about it then too yeah so, so to what, what, did they know you were they, did they, they knew those people were coming to to, to honor you or that i don't know because since i don't okay. know who, i says i don't know who did it and i okay i mean i'm don't know you know obviously someone the door was left open or they used a car to get in and my room was on the first floor and it was old printing room like the, okay. the printing room and it was big and my dad was a printer so i felt right at home with the old printing presses and um and that's does a yeah my it's to the right when you walk in the room it's to the right near the blackboard and okay it was this love note you know <laughs> so um you taught art right Yes, art. That was strictly art, or did you teach other things? I end up teaching art photography with mixed media uh, certification to talk about health and um, sex education. Because I, <laughs> I was doing a unit about HIV and AIDS prevention, and you have to be doing talk about things like that. 
So my yeah. certifications in art, K through 12, and I really didn't want to do anything else, but I always incorporated writing, reading and writing with my, with my if you're art. art, because it's really important. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Really they would important. call that like, um, yeah. they would, they, I don't know if they use this term before, but they like, they would call that project-based learning where you're, mm-hmm. you're combining mm-hmm. like a yeah. process and art. And I used to do that when I, when I taught at the psych hospital and what I felt like it was, it was a trick to get them to, to learn because they were making art and they didn't really like, since art was the end product, they, they were okay with the work because they got to do something fun and it adds a level of fun in my, you know, in, in what I experienced. And also my first two years of teaching, when I was teaching part-time, I taught in a program called Learning to Read Through the Arts. So I really, you know, that yeah. made sense to me. And I know as an artist how important it is reading and writing and expressing yourself, whether it's writing for grants or writing your artist statement. It's like everything. Yeah. You have to do it. So it was... And when I, and also when I taught in like the school after I left Bushwick, which was a much more middle-class school, when I would collaborate with a teacher in another subject, the kids took it more seriously because they were getting okay. like, whammy if you did like doing something. Yeah, yeah. Doing well, plus, plus sorry, plus it's like two birds of one stone. If you can get reading done and history, you just save some time. Yeah, no, but it's also, I believe in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you, okay, so... There's two questions here, and one is: Do you do you are you a political person? And does does the art of this teaching the teaching feel political for you? My activism is that with my synagogue congregation, Beth Sinkatora, I'm part of a social activist group, and we I I figure out what I could do is write postcards. Nice. I, write, I write I write postcards. It's how long have you been involved? With, how long have you been involved with the synagogue? uh involved i think i joined is more like it um i I joined after um and around 2002 when i lost my dad i I needed to play or maybe it was my mother when i yeah around 2002 i think when i needed i'm sorry you lost your father thank you when i'm when i i just needed you know morning so can i can i gush about you for a minute gush gush like oh sure Kvel, is that is that another word? Kvel, is that is that a Yiddish word? Gush is good. <laughs> Gush is good. So yeah. what I think I what I really like love about your life is that I know like you know you're you're here you are like with uh, your friends writing you know postcards and I know like you just had a show um, at Fire Island and I'm imagining also another version of you where you're hanging out with probably like twenty year old you know uh, gay men and thongs and you're having a party. I can imagine, you know, I imagine that, that the, it, and it's an interesting thing because not like, not everybody who's, you know, I mean, I'm not calling you old, you're older, but like you, you live. I am, like, I'm 70 years old. What was the first moment you kind of got really well known? What, was there a certain set of pictures? Was it your book? What, is it your story I, you talk been, about the, when you had, had your had first show? Funny, I've had a funny career. I've had, I've always been showing my work and I've always been doing it. You have. Yes, I never stop. Um, just this is more consistent lately. But it, I think probably the one of the biggest things was in 1994. I had a um, 94, 95. I had an installation at Grand Central Terminal. Oh wow! In media, and it got covered in wire and a lot of press and this and that. And I did, did a poster for the Transit Authority. So that was like a high, you know. That was a a big deal 
that really and then I got a, a pretty major grant from New York Foundation of the Arts for my I got two of them one for my mixed media artwork okay whereas you say, what are, photographs when you, wait, so, wait hold on when you say mixed media what do you mean what do you mean by uh, mixed media I was um my, my some of my photographs color photographs that I had made into super chrome prints oh nice I saw pardon me I just said nice. Cibachrome, Cibachrome. Cibachrome, okay. And I started painting on them to illustrate the things that were in my mind when I took the picture. What is what is Cibachrome? It's a very expensive. It, it's very expensive. It, it it was in the 80s and it cost me like $100 a hundred dollars a print for sixteen by twenty. And when you're making like twelve thousand dollars a year, you knew you could never do it. How do you it's, make it? It was on a more. It's a um archival print one of you know um c prints kind of fade archival print on an emulsion based paper okay by ilford they stopped making it okay and i at one point i was learning how to print it myself but it's it smelled carcinogenic my background before i became a teacher i was a freelance illustrator I draw very real. I can draw. Oh, nice. I had no idea you. I didn't know idea you drew. That's amazing. Yeah, I even did books and things like that. But I needed a steady income. Yeah. Psychologically, financially, everything about it, I needed to have a steady income. Was there? Was it more? Um, well, so that was teaching, correct? Yes. Yeah, so, so I chose teaching, and then I was still doing freelance work, and then finally, like, I was getting grants for my paint, you know, my photography. Yeah. Like you know, okay, you could you just do so much. And also yeah. some other, as a teacher, I had got major teaching awards. Well, and you also, life. like, you also, I mean, it seemed like a big part of your photography was also the, your job. Yeah, I mean, I literally, I started doing collaborative work with the students. My student, work I did with my students was in the Whitney Biennial. I think it's really cool is you've shared a lot of stories about, like, ex-students or someone you took a picture of that you're now connected to. Like, I think that's, like, I think that shows me that, you had realized in that moment that that moment, whatever was going on in that moment, the person you were with had realized it was an important moment. It's the fact I mean, that they're actually trying to find you 30, 40 years later. Like, um, it's not that just the former students are looking for me. We're in like this, yeah, you know, they find it. They see their work yeah. on Instagram or Facebook or, I, or kids and, you know, like run into them, you know, <laughs> you know, they're grownups. <laughs> I love that there's a story here. I think that's a good photo when you are like, what was going on there? Like Grace is giving this like side eye look. Well, this you, woman you is, is you upstaging. You told me Miss Miser was a bitch. The great no 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 the Grace Jones. I'm sorry. I moved on oh, to the okay. Grace Jones okay, photo. Okay, okay. Okay. And so what's going on here? What's this? What's okay, what's the story okay. here? What's happening? I uh, mean, look at Grace Jones. Okay. Okay. It's, it's 1978. It happens to be June 17th, 1978. Okay. It's the opening night of a club called La Farfalle, the you know, okay. club. And I'm there, the woman all the way on the, when you're looking all the way on the left with like kind of negligee holding a bear. Yeah. That's my friend, Judy Jupiter. And you've, and you've done a lot with Judy. I know you've talked yeah, about it. We're still friends. So what I love about this photo is, you know, it's almost like she's trying to upstage Grace Jones, who's giving her a little bit of a, like a yes. stink eye or a side eye. I, I love Grace Jones. I remember seeing her at, at a health club. She was like sitting down and having, I, but I didn't take a picture then. You know, it's like she's having a private moment. And, but yeah. in a 
around two years ago, the guy to the, when you look at the picture to the right, there's a man with um, looking to the side. His okay. Close facing. She, Judy, Judy likes to show, show these pictures off to people she meets. Okay. And the guy looks and she, she was at Fire Island and Cherry Grove with some guy and he says, that's me. The man yeah. behind Grace Jones, the face is kind of made her. You know, he he was like the producer or something. Okay, the guy it, behind it, her, the guy on her on her right and, behind and, her. Yeah, yes, and that the woman to his right was also worked. They were like they they made help make Grace Grace Jones. The woman, the the like Darcy Hamill haircut lady, or the one yeah, in the yeah, back. Yeah, not Judy. Not yeah, the one told across from Judy. Yes, yes, yes. Did you get? Do you? I mean, did you get to like interact with Grace Jones so much or not so much? Uh, I mean, not. I mean, she would have no. She would have no idea who I am. But I okay. occasions because I photograph her. I know somewhere I have slides that are missing of a Studio Fifty Four when she's like up in a cage with tigers. I can't find that. Part. Better question: Does something draw you to certain people when you're taking photos? Is, is there a quality? Is there? Is it more about like? I think it's always something that draws me to, to, to this occasion. It could be someone, it's usually like something I've never seen before or something that looks very typical. I mean, I knew who Grace Jones was and she's stunning. Yeah. Yeah. Look at her. Um, so you, you made a point that when you saw her at, at a cafe, you didn't bother her, right? Yeah, she was at health food clubs. I remember she was drinking like a, a carrot, you know, carrot juice. It's like she was having a private moment. This, but here she's out in public more right. and I just asked. So what I love about what I what I also love about your work is we've talked. I I mean, you had done a few. Um, I've come to a few of your lectures or your presentations, and you talk about like consent. You talk about don't you don't take photos of people that are down and out, and that you t and, and and you have consent. Tell me about how consent plays in your in your work. Okay, I mean that's just a personal choice. I have no people are different. You know, I feel more comfortable asking. You, I feel more comfortable. I like you that. Always that? Yeah, I've always been that you way. Always, but you always ask. Ninety nine percent of the time. Yeah. Ninety nine point nine percent. You know. I, so I have a I have a really hard time when I see photos, especially when I know there's no consent, and like I I you know I kind of I I I'm where you're at. Like I never I don't it's it's not my place. Um, but there's you know if you're shooting a parade, it's hard to get consent because it's a hundred right. people. But, but when, when it's personal, yeah, when um, afraid, they're expecting to be expecting. To right. Say, okay. But even so, no, you know, it's, it's just a preference. But yeah. some people are, are very dogmatic about street photography it has to be candid. That's not. Sorry. All right. We're on the next photo with Gloria Steinem. Okay. That was. Tell me about what was happening here. Okay. That was. It was July 25th, 1977. Because I, I know because it's on my, um, how I named, named the files. It's Studio 54, and it was the birthday party for Liz, Bella Abzug. Okay. Bella Abzug. Yeah. She was and I thought she was so, she was like 55 or 57. I thought she was so well, old. The picture of Flo Kennedy is in her, in her bedroom. You have one? You have a picture of Flo Kennedy? Yeah, I do. Was she at this party? Um, I don't think so. I don't remember. Okay. I don't have pictures of her there. I know I photographed Andy Warhol there and William Shatner. There were a lot of stars. I felt very comfortable going up to her and I spoke to her besides admiring her. 
because she was um, friends with a cousin of mine. I have a, co okay. a cousin, Barbara Seaman, who's a, a, a writer, a health writer, and a, a, a feminist. And do you feel like you are, are you here because of your politics to a certain extent or not so much? You just. No, I was there to, to because we could get into that event. Okay. But I like uh, Bella Abzug. I have many pictures of her. She yeah. was out and about a lot. You were just trying to get. You were just trying to get a free, uh, free pass and a few drinks. Um, I I didn't drink. Um, yeah. I know I just like Studio Fifty Four was a, a real scene to be, and there were a lot of photographers. And I was going out dancing. You know, I was going out, and it was yeah. a hot party, and we got into it. So that's why. And I and if there was an entry fee, it was very reasonable. Will you, um, will you add the picture of Flo Kennedy to this? And um, I went to, I remember going to it. I mean, I remember because if I photographed it, but I was in Flo Kennedy's homes, apartments several times. Yeah. I, I remember she, she had a, um, a checker cab. You have an old checker cab as her private car. I was in her checker cab in the jump seat. Uh, I have I, her book. I forget what it's called, but it's with her with her curse finger on it. Oh, you just made me remember her T-shirt said bullshit, 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 bullshit. Right. And and I also was very impressed that outside of her apartment, she had plaques. She was the, um, the person in charge of the state of Billie Holiday and other. Oh, really? of other yeah, I was just like, really, I liked her as a as a human being and, yeah. and, and and that she was in charge of their lot you know their, their life's yeah. work i want to yeah. ask you two questions about your photography life sure. has there been a time that you like use your photography connections to meet a hero of yours well i think anytime you go up to someone who's who you uh, whether it's a Andy Warhol, or you know, like going up to Gloria Steinem, and like, yeah, it, I went up and asked if I could photograph them, right? Who, who of the, who of that who, who of those people made you the most nervous? Who are you most excited about meeting that was well known that you went up with your camera? Actually, most I remember most recently was um, around 2019. The most recent time that I felt I was nervous was that. Um, Hillary Clinton was going to be the guest speaker giving a tribute to Rabbi Kleinbaum's 25th year at CBST. And okay. I was allowed as the photographer backstage to take her picture. And I was just like waiting. And I brought oh my, my waiting for me camera and I was just very excited and nervous and yeah. scared to like get it wrong. So that was, that was, that was a, to me, that was a, I remember feeling like, nervous and excited was it hard to actually take the picture was the nervousness so bad that it was like hard to get the picture you wanted no, I, I think I took a great picture of her. <laughs> no i think i took a great a very merrill picture of her but i also one time i i was invited to the to i met a, a in 19 it was i think it was 76 i met a photographer who was the white house photographer for the for the Gerald Ford administration. Okay. And he, and he invited me. He wanted to trade my work, Ricardo Thomas, and he invited me to come to get got me a press pass to go to the inauguration of um Jimmy Carter. And I remember walking in that when I arrived, I walked into the White House and I didn't have my camera out. 
introduced me to Gerald Ford, who was not someone I voted for, but I had respect, you know, and I was like, you know, it was, it was, it was emotional. You know, like I couldn't believe I was shaking hands with a president. I wouldn't That's feel amazing. the same. I wouldn't feel the same way if I ran into Donald Trump. I, <laughs> here's what I want to. Here's what I want to ask. There's, in, in terms of like again being a photographer, there's a certain time that I take a photo that is so. I don't know the word special or um, intimate that I don't ever share it. I don't feel like there's certain photos. <laughs> What's that? I have lots of those. <laughs> I don't want you. I don't want you to share that because I don't want you to betray that. But are, are, do, do you have your own collection of things that are just for you that you not even sh show uh, to people? Uh, tons. And also, I'm I'm married to Patricia O'Brien, who's very private about it. doesn't like to be photographed and very private about photographs of her or us. You know, so yeah. So your identity. What? What? How do you identify in terms of? Um, I guess sexual identity. Do you? How do you? How do you fall into that world? Well, I'm definitely. Uh, I guess I'm. I guess I'm quirky or queer, and I guess. Uh, <laughs> but that's why I've been living, dating. I've been with one woman since 1979, living together since 1980. So I say anyone who's in a for 42 year. Um, that's amazing. Sex relationship with another woman, a, a lesbian. <laughs> I guess I'm queer. How, how, I mean, without getting too deep or personal, how has that been? How has that, how has that been in your world? How does that, how is that, what are the, you know, has that been easy, hard, uh, you know, being? I, I mean, I, I, I think I, I, my, my life was made easier by people before me. You know, I'm not, I'm not a, uh, I'm not the, first or I didn't break barriers um um I'm fortunate to have parents that were had unconditional love you know not that they would have absolutely preferred diff differently but I I've um and I've choose people I choose to be in open environments, yeah. you know, at first and teaching wise, of course, it was like really ridiculous, but we were, you, know, you just couldn't talk about your private life. Uh, but when they, when they legalized domestic partnerships in New York city and Patty was going, she would taught for seven years that did not like it I was going back to grad school, and losing healthcare. It's like, I was literally the first one to sign up for domestic healthcare benefits, it's like, so. Yeah. How does it feel to you? How do you react when you hear that there's like laws that are being put in place to not allow Horrifying. teachers or, or or even children to talk about that? How does that feel? Oh, how does that feel for you? It's horrifying. It's horrifying. We're going backwards. It's horrifying. You know. Yes. Can you live like that? Sure, you can live like that. But why live like that? And it just makes. Yeah. It's, it's disgusting. You know, I've been a teacher like in different ways for years. Remember this, I'm gonna use his name because he's, I don't know how, he's probably 40 and his parents are probably not alive, but Daniel, Dan, I met this kid, Daniel, the sweetest kid. He was in first grade, um, it was Halloween. Daniel comes as a witch and everyone, and the other kids are like, oh, Daniel, why are you wearing a thing? And Daniel's just like, I'm a witch. And I've never seen a kid so proud of being a witch 
and, to, and, and he knew and I knew that kid was, you know, very queer, but I was like, it, you know, I've kind of dedicated my teaching life to taking care of that, which is why we talked before when I, if I can't do that, and, I, and I've done that at risk to my job. I worked at a psych hospital and I, and I like, if I knew a kid was queer, I gave them resources. I, I, I said, I'm, I, I made sure that nobody bullied those kids. And it's, you know, it, it's, it's just, I, I, it's, it's upsetting. And I, I am, um, I'm glad that you have been someone who's made people feel at home. I feel like people that are out there taking pictures of, of queer community and making images and letting people know that this, they're, they're welcome and loving and telling someone they're, they're worth love. I think that's like the greatest gift. So this is a good time to talk about the Marsha P. Johnson, another hero of mine. You know what? I didn't, had no idea that was Marsha P. Johnson, even, even when I first, when I took it, I took it as just a beautiful person on the parade. Yeah. But when I scanned it approximately, I think in 2018 or 19, I was doing an doing an article for advice of my early parade, uh, parade uh, earliest photos at uh, uh, the Pride Parade. And I showed the picture, I think, to um, Paul Moakley, who's a, um, who's a curator at Alice Austin House and also an, an editor at a photo editor or bigger than it for time. He said, that's Martha P. Johnson. I had no idea. And, and getting to this time frame, talking about Anita, Brian, I have seen the movie Milk at least 30, 40 times. I, I, I'm obsessed with the movie Milk. I've seen a documentary about Harvey Milk at least probably 10 times. And at, in, in, some, in some amazing coincidence, I noticed that Cleve Jones was coming to Philadelphia to do a talk. He's all about like... Um, uh, yeah, he's all about um, unions. And he let me take his photo and it was like... And I wasn't even that good. The photo I have him isn't that good, but like, it doesn't matter. Like having, getting to meet Cleve Jones. I, yeah, it's exciting. You know, he's, he, you know, and he's like, when I, you know, you look at that community, look at what, you know, you, I'm sure you've been connected with gay men. So tell me about like, well, that, that community. Um, Patty, Patty lived in San Francisco when we were dating. Okay. And she, she walked by and she was neighbors with Harvey Milk. And they, they talked a lot because they were both from Long Island. I mean, she knew, you know, knew, yeah, it was heartbroken. What, heartbroken. what throws me off is that when people who hate, who hate gay men, especially like that, if they understood what gay men have gone through, how many, you know, not, you know, you're, you're in a, I mean, it's like COVID. You're in a world, half of your friends die. You don't know what it's for. You're scared. And then like people, like to me, that's the worst part of like hatred is that you're hating people who have, who have gone, you know, who have gone to hell and back, and you're just like, I hate you, and you're not even looking at them as a person. And that person has lost everything in the world, and you're still being a dick enough, excuse my language, to be like, you don't belong here. I was definitely at that pride parade because I was so pissed about Nate and Brian. Yeah. So there. So and then I ended up really pissed, and then I ended up meeting through a, another girlfriend who was seeing somebody else in Florida, the daughter of the talent agency that it represented Anita Bryant, but then his wife was unable to get, his life is so complicated. My favorite moment in the in the, in the the gay fight is the pie in the face. I, I, I can watch that. I can watch people throw a pie in Anita Bryant's face. So like over hours, I've watched that clip of them throwing a pie in her face, like more times than anything else. And, and her granddaughter is uh, engaged to a woman. 
Okay. All right, we're at the we're at the picture. Um, it looks like it's a synagogue, maybe, or oh, a no, or it's yeah, a diner. No, it's a synagogue. Mr. Katz. No, no, no. Well, I don't know if it's Mr. Katz. It's it's the one. It's funny. The guy on the. It's the picture you sent me of. It's like a bunch of books. There's a, ra- yeah. a rabbi. That's Mr. Katz. The man, the man with the white, um, with the, with the white suit on the right and a little cap. That's Mr. Katz. That's Mr. Morris. Oh, Katz. I- and this is the uh, Mr. Morris Katz I met in 1977 because my cousin Blaine Rosner, who I lived in the same house with, worked at the Henry Street Settlement on Lower East Side. I was going to some kind of like art event that she and some other, another roommate, near the, their students were part of, some kind of thing. And I, I, and I go on to Grand Street and there's this little man with a sport, you know, with a, like, with a yarmulke and like a zebra shirt and plaid pants and striped striped sports coke and a bow tie and he's in the corner giving out candy to people and he offers me candy and i had my 35 millimeter camera with me that day and he and he, he said you're a photographer and then he starts talking that you know, he's the mayor of grand street that's his street yes. you know and he invited he said you come to my apartment it's like a museum and a, and i did that's his, that's, is that his apartment no that's not his apartment we, okay. we became we we were friends from like '76 until he died in the late in the late '80s, and um, he that's he liked to take me you know I'd visit him, and he would take me around, show me off, and you know I'd when I'd had my friends in town I'd visit Mr. Katz or my mother or my father they they would go, and there was a synagogue around the block from him I I'm not sure I'm not sure I could look up the name of the synagogue I don't have it written down. Okay. And, but what struck me about that one when I went in there and this just 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 and it wasn't it wasn't a rabbi, it's just somebody praying. And he's and I remember introduced my name and I said to the man, my name is Meisler. He says, You're a Galiziana. I said, How do you know? You know, what right, is that? A, a Galiziana, someone Galicia, not Spain, but Galicia, a region that was now kind of part of Poland or Austria. It's the area where my paternal grandfather was from, Gal- Galicia. It's no longer known, known as that name. Is it like is it near Spain? Is it like people of color? No, it's it's it's, it's kind of like in what would be what would be called Poland or, or Poland. Okay. And so it's still Ashkenazi based, more or less. Yes, yes, Ashkenazi. And I said, he said I could tell by the name. You're a Galician. I said yes. I said, what a Galician is known for? He said, they're known for their sense of humor. And like, I knew I have a great sense of, I, I have a great you, sense of you, humor. You have an amazing, like, the part, you know, like when I've, when I've, when I've um, been in space with you, I mean, I, I've been in at least two or three of your lectures. I was at the New York show, like you, cr- you cracked me up. Like, I think. I cracked myself up. <laughs> but I think like, you know, I mean, we're Jews, right? Like, I feel like humor is why we're still here. It's part of the heritage. Yes. Yeah. So, so, so you know, maybe we can, maybe specific we can... region. The specific region is known for it. I was like, whoa. Wait, the region you're from. The region you're from is known for being funny. The people from Galicianas are known for being funny. Are there certain like famous comedians that are from that area, or is it just more or less? I don't know. I gotta look this up. Yeah, it was like that blew my mind. But my grandfather, who was a Galician, he was not funny. He was somber, but um, he oh, he suffered from depression. 
Um, but he, but he could suffer from depression and have have a sense of humor. You know, it's like he just he just he was not a funny person. But I know that I am. You know, I know yeah. I have a funny eye, and so that really that really struck me that he knew that much. It's amazing. Like the story of Mr. Katz. Is there another Jewish story? That you that is another moment. That oh, he has the best part the story, Mr. Katz story. Yes, let's just let's, can we let's go, let's hold, let's keep on Mr. Katz. I want to hear, I want to, if you have like five, ten minutes, I want to, I, hear I know Katz I have a story. very good essay about Mr. Katz and I will look it up. Okay, I can, if you get wait, LES, yes, it's like it's so. I'll read it, but can you just can you give me like the can you give me the live okay, version? The, sense, the very yes, yeah, so Mr. Katz, I mean, he was. He was hysterical, you know. He, he was he was he kept kosher. He but he was a corny. You know, he, he guessed weights in Coney Island for for many years, and then he worked in um, the garment. His wife worked in the garment district. Um, he always told jokes, and he had like little like little puns. So he'd have like little naked figures. You press him down and a little penis will come and pee or something. <laughs> yeah, he, was, he, was hysterical. he was hysterical. But besides that, after he died, it was a summer, there's a spikely movie called She's Gotta Have It. And it's about a really, really, really hot summer in Spike New York. Spikely movie. No, it wasn't like a hot, it's in the second movie. It's a, it's a, he has a movie about a really, really unbearable summer in New York. Brooklyn? And that was, was uh, this summer in New York. Okay. Like yeah. Really, really, really hot. And I didn't know it. I mean, I don't see Mr. Katz all the time. After I got a phone. So again, Mr. Katz was my friend, you know, someone who was like a, I would visit. He'd call me up, you know, Meryl, come down. You know, like, you, you want to show me a good, he'd take me to jail. He'd show me to the police. We'd go inside the jail. I mean, I like, and then when I got to see the grant for American Jewish Congress, he was like perfect because you know, like I was photographing his world anyway. So it was, it was all, all good. And then it was this really, really unbearably hot summer. Okay. I get a phone call from my stepmother, Selma, who says that she spoke to a, a, a cousin of hers. Maybe it was like a second cousin. Okay. She got a cousin of hers lost his father in the heat wave oh no yeah and his father's name was morris katz and he lived on grand street so mr morris so it was my mr katz and it was so your mr katz ended up being that we were gonzamashpoka extended family i want to get i want to do um there's one more part i want to do and then i think we're good uh this has been I can't, you know, I'm going to say it's an honor, but I, I can't tell you how much you you were talking about um, uh, Florence, Florence, uh, how she is the keeper of, you were saying she was a keeper of different, um, was it photos? Think, no, she kept the, um, music. she kept an archive, right? Well, no, she was, well, because she's a lawyer. Okay. She was a, um, uh, I forgot what the formal name of it is. Representative of the state of, I think, Charlie Parker. Okay. And definitely Billie Holiday. But she, so, but she, so she kept them alive. She took their story and she made sure people knew it, more yeah. or less. I get, yeah, I, or, or represented their, their, 
life's work. Yeah. And I think that's why, like, I, I like as much as I can, like, I'm not in the, I'm not in the art game. I don't know. I, you know, I can't say to someone, I like to manage you. Like, I don't know. I, you know, I, I don't even want to get in, involved with a lawyer conversation, but for me, like I've also, you know, I've chosen you to me. One of my goals is make sure your, your work is out there, you know, whether or not you want me to do it, whether or not you've asked. I want it out. You know, I'm, I'm going to help. And, and, and I gotta be honest, like when I post it on my page, it gets such a good reaction. Like, Thank you. It, it's hard. I, I, you know, I, I try to hook, I try to take care of a lot of people and I'll be like, Hey, I'll put your thing on my page. It'll get like eight, eight likes. And I'm like, but when I put your stuff, it's like six, 700. And Absolutely. even that, even to be able to know that 600 people who maybe don't know who you are or haven't seen your work now do, you know, I, I just want to take, you know, to me as a Jew, there's, and there's something so Jewish about, I want to take care of my grand, you know, you're, you're more of my mother's age, but like, mm-hmm. it means so much to me to, 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 to share. What I'm so excited about stories is I, I want to share my family's story because I want their life to have meaning. I, I want to go, I want to go around the world. I, you know, I, I love taking pictures of people and volunteer. I mean, I do a ton of, half the stuff I do is for free because I want to, I want to, I, I want to, I'm saying to you, I honor, I honor your world enough that I, that it needs to be documented. And, and it's so special to me. Mm-hmm. And, and people are so kind, like it's kindness. It's giving people kindness. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you're doing some good stuff. I, I, I you know, I, I, I'm happy to like, I, I'll make phone calls. I'm like, Hey, I, I do photography. If I can help you in your world, let me know. I had a theater company and I didn't have a lot of money and somebody like volunteered to shoot the show. And I, so Anytime a friend of mine is in a theater company and I know they don't have money, I volunteer, you know, you know, and that's something like at a point now I'm actually making more money. I could charge two that I could charge a thousand dollars for it, mm-hmm. but I don't give a fuck. Excuse my language. And I just think like, you know, you're, you're the keeper of these, your, your archive is, is the gift of all these people. So it moves on, it lives on, you know, and I think that's such a honorable thing. So I want you to give a plug. What do, what do you want? You know, if people are listening to this podcast what do you want them to find your books is there a show uh, okay. what do you want to put out well, there my first two book my first book is sold out and you, you can't get it for like hundreds of dollars there's only like 100 copies of the second one please support the third one so that you know just i don't don't have a distributor so i'd appreciate it if you bought it from any place that carries it like this the strand or or mark jacobs or through me i like the golden notebook in woodstock it's a bargain and um and 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 you you will it's well worth well worth 48 dollars okay all right thank you so much Mel. you have a a wonderful night you too bye-bye i really want to thank you for uh listening to this episode what a pleasure to talk to meryl um our next episode is one that's uh so exciting for me to be able to share i grew up as a huge Muppet fan, uh, I'm born on Jim Henson's birthday. I saw the Muppet movie in the theater when I was like, I guess nine. And um, and one of the people involved helped change my life. Uh, that movie changed my life forever. And I've kind of been on, on, a tr- on what I call my Kermit quest to just help other people, bring people along if I'm gonna do cool stuff. And I had the pleasure of speaking to Paul Williams, uh, Grammy Award, Songwriter Hall of Fame, uh, composer, uh, president of ASCAP, 
uh, recovery act- activists, um, one of the most generous people in the world. And he lays out so many g- gems of knowledge that I can't wait to share it. So this will be out probably within f- a few days or a week of this episode. So check back. But I'm hoping to release it by Wednesday um, around the th- January 30th. So enjoy. Uh, holy shit, what a nice human being. I, I can't wait for you to hear that. Thank you.